The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by FIRST. FIRST knows that a real estate professional's most valuable asset is their relationships. A strong personal network is the moat that can guard against any industry disruption. But there is never enough time to nurture your network the way you want to. FIRST powers top agents with artificial intelligence to spotlight the people who are most likely to sell. This brings focus and attention to make important connections when it matters most. Learn more and request a free demo at first.io. You know, we're connecting with all these people online digitally and and then eventually, you know, you, you, you get to know them online and then you're going to, you know, I think Bloggers Connect in 2007 was one of the first times that a lot of the people that were involved with the social network kind of met together in real life for the first time. And then, and then the next year was the first bar camp. So, um you know, it's kind of a snapshot in time of, of you know, the, the online real estate space there. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 163 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and for tuning in. And as I always say, for telling a friend, it's the way we continue to grow. And uh, I'm really having a blast interviewing a lot of different people in the real estate space, trying to find out their story, where they came from, how they got to be in this uh, crazy (laughs) world we call real estate. And, And my guest this week, I'm very excited to talk to. We're talking about one of the original RE.net members. And if you don't know what that is, stay tuned. We're going to explain that to you. But I'm actually talking about Andy Kaufman. Andy is uh, currently the managing partner of Golden State RE Investments. Andy's done a lot of different things throughout his career. One of the things I think most impactful to many people who listen to this podcast is Andy was one of the founders of the original first RE Bar Camp in San Francisco. So I can't wait to chat about that. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. Great to be here. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk about that, the, the bar camp and all that fun stuff. But first things first, you're, you you share your name with one of, in my opinion, one of the funniest comics of all time. Very odd, very strange. But Andy Kaufman, Man in the Moon, all that great stuff. You must there must be some story somewhere about having that exact same name. But it's crazy because you know I, I first became aware of it. You know, I was probably five or six years old and. When when he first when the news when he passed and so from that date on I mean I've been kind of uh, barraged with questions about you know the, the comedian and and uh, it's funny because you know I'm I'm really bad with remembering names so I'll, I'll meet somebody and I'll say hey my name is Andy Andy Kaufman just look at me and then I'll never remember their name but they'll always remember my name so um, that's great but it puts me in a tough position so um, but when I talk to people. Uh, you know, they always ask me, the next question is always like, you know, like the comedian. So um, I went ahead and put that on my business card. I put, you know, not the comedian, I'm the real estate investor. So uh, um, kind of, it, it's, it's really cool. I really enjoyed the journey over, over the years and being associated with, you know, someone with this uh, uh, genius talent. Yeah, kind of a, a really odd genius. That's a great way of putting what that guy was all about, right? He was, he was something <laughs> else. Yeah. I, we're recording this episode. And I'm surprised I could get you away. You know, I think we're we're timing it just right. But we're recording this episode, the day of Game Three of the National League Championship Series. I'm gonna guess because your Twitter feed is so much about the Brewers that you probably grew up in Wisconsin. Let's start there. Am I right there? 
Yep. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty easy to pick out. I think, huh? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I was born and raised in Wisconsin. I, I grew up in Racine, Wisconsin, about uh, 30 minutes south of Milwaukee. So that included, you know, growing up, growing up listening to Bob Euchre on the radio and, you know, trekking up the Milwaukee County Stadium when I was in high school because it was something to do. You know, in Wisconsin, you know, it's either too hot or too too cold. And, you know, a lot of it, your time's taken up by uh, rooting for different sports teams. So, um, you know, right now it's the flavor of the month is the Brewers. I mean, we're pushing, making a postseason push that, you know, we haven't made in a while. And uh, we've had the Packers for the last 20 years and the Badgers too. But we've been super lucky. But, you know, I'm total huge Wisconsin sports fan. And, man, I really hope the Brewers can pull it out. Now you're you're out uh, you know, on the West Coast. You're in California, Northern California. So do you, is there a base of people out there that you can hang with and support? You know all those uh, Wisconsin sports teams with. Is it they have like a little following out there? Well, yeah, Wisconsin travels well, um, and, <laughs> and 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 Wisconsin is really cold. So when when people uh, people tend to move out of Wisconsin, which is kind of how I ended up here. And you know we have there's a large group of people who are Wisconsin sports fans out here and. You know, we kind of gather up and uh, and root them on together, and yeah, it's it's great. There's there's tons of tons of Wisconsin expats everywhere you go, and they, you know, it's not easy to not not hard to find in uh, Wisconsin the sports uh, cheering circle somewhere. Yeah, so I need to know for tonight. You've got the Packers uh, hosting the Niners. You've got the Brewers in L.A. playing the Dodgers for Game Three. They're tied one one. If you have to pick one channel is it the brew crew because it's the playoffs or is the pack pretty important or, or do you have two tvs set up what do you uh, think? i'll go i'll go multi-screen um yeah. <laughs> but uh <laughs> um but you know, the brewers in the playoffs i mean the packers i'm really hoping they'll win I mean, they're playing the niners too so you know it's kind of yeah. well uh and there's another, there's another little tangle there with my where i do live right now but you know bay area fans are, are kind of fickle especially if they're not doing super well so um and the 49ers talk is kind of subsided. It's really more about it's been a Warriors town for a few years now. Yeah, I'll go double screen and hope both teams win tonight. There you go. That, one last question because people always yell at me. I talk too much sports when I find a guest who likes sports, which <laughs> how can you fault me? I mean, anyways, you, you have to agree with this statement that getting Christian Yelich from the Marlins was one of the greatest thefts of all times. Right? It <laughs> might seem like that, but you know, we came off some pretty solid prospects in that trade. So, I mean, uh, we get away some good prospects. Yelich wasn't a sure thing at the time. I mean, it worked out really good this season. So I'm not, I'm not complaining at all. And, and I was a super big fan when they made the, when they made the move. I'd say, as a Wisconsin sports fan, I can, I can give you three other ones. Okay. We got Brett Favre we got for a second rounder from uh, the, the Falcons because oh. uh, he, didn't, he didn't get along with Jerry Glanville. Uh, and then you go with the Bucks. They got Giannis with the 14th pick. Uh, got a bunch of people that passed on him because they had, they couldn't tell if the video of him dunking on people in gyms in Greece was real or not. And then I, I put number one would be the guy, the guy who was going to be quarterback for the Packers tonight, number 12, who uh, um, was drafted in number 24 in 2005. I mean, he was almost the number one pick and ended up being falling all the way to the Packers at number 24. And, um, you know, that, 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 that's worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who were who were the quarterbacks taking ahead of Rodgers. I know Aaron can tell us. I don't know if you can, but well, well, no, well, I know Alex Smith can be one, definitely one of them. Ouch! Because he was, <laughs> yeah, who's who's been great? Maybe game manager, but you know he's been he's been a solid quarterback for, the, for you know ever since he kind of righted the ship. But uh, you know, um, 
I think in number 12, if, if he continues uh, for another four or five years and maybe gets another couple of rings, you know, uh, he'll, he'll be up there among the best of yeah. all time. So. Yeah, you're right. He's, he's definitely one of the best right now for sure. So that's cool. All right, so I'll get out of that. So you, you speaking of Wisconsin, you, uh, you're a Badger, right? Did you go to school there at UW? Went to school at UW, yep, yeah. Badger. And so what was your career path at that time? What did uh, young you know, Andy want to do? I always had trouble figuring out exactly what I wanted to be with definition. So um, kind of bounced around from engineering to ended up in consumer science, which is you know, consumer business, retailing. Um, I kind of created my own multidisciplinary uh, uh, degree and um, graduated from there in 2001. And after college, uh, I, you know, I, I made a bunch of friends in college. I mean, uh, if, you, if you know me, I'm pretty social. I identify with a lot of different people. I have a lot of different interests. So made a huge group of friends. Um, and actually one year in college, we lived in a, a converted church and we had 10 really good friends that, you know, you know we lived in the <laughs> various rooms throughout this converted church. And, um, uh, after graduating college, one of my friends came out here to start building web pages and ended up working for you know a bunch of tech companies. He kind of recruited our our crew out here, and um, and most of us moved out here. And uh, a couple of people moved to the East Coast, and a couple of people stayed in Wisconsin. But you know, I, I was tired of winter. I've always been into like technology and innovation, uh, so you know, San Francisco was kind of a an easy pick for me. And and you know, that's kind of what brought me out to California. So when you first got here, what what was your first gig in in, in California? One of those groups of friends was you know I started seeing the band Fish and and, and when I was in college and I spent my whole summer kind of traveling in the nation in cars and seeing concerts every night. But um, at one of those shows after I graduated college, I sat next to this guy. He's like he's like you know we're just talking about jobs and I was like you know, I just graduated. I don't know what I'm going to do. He's like you know, I'm a mortgage broker. I have a history degree. You know, if I can do that with a history degree, you know, it's uh, it's great. You should you should check it out. So, I remember coming home from from that tour and googling mortgage broker, and one thing led to another. And I kind of ordered a few real estate books and kind of tried to teach myself real estate. Came out here to California and tried to do go on my own, and I kind of um, failed a couple times. <laughs> but um, I ended up deciding to get my license. And then I got hooked up with uh, a Keller Williams office that was about to open in Berkeley. So, um, you know, I, I, it was in real estate. Uh, took me a little while to decide to get my license and kind of go that way. But yeah, that's, I mean, just kind of meeting somebody <laughs> at a random fish show is, is kind of what got me on the real estate path. Kind I, of I, don't crazy think, to figure out. I don't think I've ever heard fish associated with becoming a realtor ever. That's got to be the first time it's been muttered. muttered. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, you just don't know where you um, might come across that path of information that uh, that might change your life. So, <laughs> so you start you started Keller Williams, which, uh, to be honest, you know, especially in the, the say the early two thousands, um, not a bad place to kind of you know learn the craft. They they're all about education. So, how long were you with them, and and then what happened? You know, when you why did you leave KW or what was the next opportunity? So I was with KW for for quite a while. Um, uh, and, and when I did leave, it wasn't because I chose to leave. It was our, our, our franchise got acquired. <laughs> uh, so uh, we, we switched then. But anyways, uh, you know, I, I, they were really supportive of everything. And, and you know, I was really into the education aspect and kind of 
you know, learning, learning the ropes of real estate. And, and it was a really good environment at the time. Um, at the same time, like, uh, I attended a holiday party in 2004, same friend who, who recruited me out here. Uh, but everybody, you know, they're working for Yahoo. There's a lot of people who work for Yahoo who were at this party and they're talking about you know, blog lines and, and delicious and, 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 um, Flickr. And I hadn't heard of any of those at the time, actually. And so he's like, you know, just sign up with those three services and play around with them. And I started a blog on Blogspot and started just posting, you know, stuff that I thought was interesting about real estate and uh, started, you know, reading, discovering other real estate blogs and kind of, you know, kind of taking part as, as you know, what became Web 2.0 was, was kind of being developed there. Um, and so just getting super involved with like the social web as it was coming on in 2005 was kind of overtook my, my curiosity at that point. Did that kind of pull you in a different direction? Did it pull you into a path of, you know, like, wow, there's this, there's, this is going to be important. So maybe I could, uh, I could expand, you know, kind of what I do and I'm going to work a little bit on this tech side as well. Yeah. We, I was always the, the techie in the office, <laughs> so which was great because the other agents that weren't so, you know, techie were, would let me advertise their listings online. And, you know, this, you know, it wasn't, it's was kind of wild west at that time. And, you know, I, I'd put them on Craigslist and, you know, run them every, run, you know, a bunch of people through my IDX. And then all of a sudden I had a bunch of buyers to work with. And it was great because, you know, they, they were getting exposure for the listings and, you know, I was, you know, I was making sure that I was in, in step with what they were doing marketing wise, but, you know, it was a win-win situation where, you know, they, they had a need that I could help fulfill and then they helped me and turn that, you know, it gave me the lead to help start my business. So it, it was, it was cool. And, 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 you know, with the blogging and, 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 you know, the tools that we had available at that time, it, just started to expose you to you know what's out there and what what could be. Yeah. Um, so it's a really it's a really exciting time, right? Right. I mean, it, it being early in that game because I, I was hanging around like Jay Thompson right at that time, right? So right. Yeah, everyone was starting to kind of. There was a huge advantage to being early <laughs> for that for sure. Let me ask you this question. So it, it was cl- close to this time, or as you're going through this, we we get the very first RE Bar Camp and. Uh, Bar camps have been around in the tech world for a while prior to the RE bar camp, but let's talk about um, you know how that formed. And it was great. I, I recently was kind of honored to kind of sneak into the uh, <laughs> the anniversary of the original gang getting back together for their ten year reunion at Inman Connect in San Francisco this past summer at the Swedish American Hall, which was where the original bar camp took place. But talk about. The, 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 the idea for that about obtaining the location, just how did all that happen? And then, of course, it didn't take long for bar camps to just explode around the country. So talk about that part, too. I'll just let you go off here on the, the RE bar camp experience. We didn't want to reinvent the wheel. I mean, so in 2005, uh, you know, an event called Bar Camp was held in, uh, it was in Palo Alto at a, at a tech company. And it was, it was an alternative to uh, an inclusive, like participant-driven conference that Tim O'Reilly used to put on called Bootcamp. So if you're a programmer, uh, you know Fubar. Uh, it's a play on Fubar, and uh, which was you know, uh, adopted from you know uh, old World War II slang. So, anyways, they put on this bar camp, and as a participant, you know, driven and and and, and created on the fly conference. Uh, in 2005, and in the Bay Area, people kind of just took that idea and started adopting it to other um, 
uh, industry. So I, I attended a bar camp bank. So it was like all personal fi- or finance and personal finance. I was always the real estate person in these tech focused events. And so I was like, um, I was actually at the third bar camp, which is bar camp bank and bar camp block in Palo Alto in 2007. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just organize my own. Cause like I, I, I want, one of these events that's all real estate and I, and at the point at that time it was, it was just an amazing dream to be able to to participate in something like that but anyway i just, I just announced it uh, a few months later i said hey you know i'm gonna, I'm gonna um, organize this bar camp but it's gonna be a real estate bar camp and you know it's gonna be there's, there's no set agenda whoever comes are the people that are meant to be there put use the law of two feet if you if it if, if what you're doing isn't interesting you or you're contributing in any way, use your two feet and go find something else uh, that does. And I, you know, I announced it and in my phone just started ringing. And it's like, you know, Todd Carpenter is the first person to give me a call. I was like, you know, what can I do to help? And uh, it's like, hey, well, maybe you can help me get a website up. And then Jake Thompson calls and then you know, Ginger Wilcox calls. And then all these people call and are sending me emails and, and, it's funny because I had no idea what I was doing. And I just kind of like, well, we need to do this. So why don't you take that? And then like, um, so every, we, we kind of cobbled together the first one in 2008. And, and it was such a, such a great event full of energy. And everybody just had, had a great and amazing experience that, um, you know, everybody, after, after the event, people are saying, you know, like, when, when are you going to come and do one of these in my city? And I was like, well, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> but what I'll do is I'll, I'll show you what we did. I, I'll be totally transparent about it. And if you want some help, like I'll tell you what we did and, and you know, let's, let's, um, I, I, I'm here to support you. You you can put this on in your city. And so, um, I think that's kind of what, what was the key to helping this thing grow. I mean, all of a sudden people wanted to have one in their city and have the same kind of conversations or with, you know, with their own local twist and, just kind of seeing the way it's developed with, you know, very minimal um, guidance on our part has just been amazing over the last 10 years. I mean, it's, I, I know I, I helped in four of the five Phoenix bar camps that, you know, that we held at the, uh, at Scottsdale stadium. I've been to probably another 10 around the country, including some Inmans and some, and, and other ones in the you know, locally. And it's really been fun to see that the core belief system that was kind of incorporated and you use that you use the law of two feet. That you know that that phrase is uttered at every bar camp I'm at when they're explaining it to the newbies. It's always used, and so yeah, it's it's really fun. I think you know peer to peer learning uh, in, in that format is is very cool. So that, something to be super proud of. That's for sure. No, it's a great, and especially like I mean, you were at the the the, the event in, in San Francisco in July, and it was really kind of cool to to hear. The last session at that at that at that event, we said, you know, is how to, how has bar can't change your life, and it's really cool just to hear everybody just kind of go around the room and, and go up in front of the stage and say, like, you know, what kind of effect this had on them over their career, because it's kind of easy to forget that because you know it's <laughs> it's you know it's been around for a long time now, and we've we've gone to a lot of them, and you know, it's just kind of cool to hear you know, how, what kind of impact it's had in other people's lives. And that's super, something I'm super proud of. Right. I mean, people have met people that have turned into business partners and other opportunities that are just, there's too many to mention. It's just very cool. Yeah. Very cool. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to say, let's, let's, let's do that. Let's get that, that, let's get that covered right now. Yeah. You mentioned Ginger Wilcox showed up for the first one. 
and as time uh, kind of uh, moved on beyond that, uh, you and Ginger have become more of a couple. In fact, you're now married, right? Right. We had we had met once or twice before. Um, Jeff Turner was it being the connector that he was, and you know uh, he had kind of put together a small group once in San Francisco. But yeah, I mean, I, I've never really spent time with her before, and and you know I, that whole first bar camp weekend, and, and and all the people that were at that event, and. And we hung out and, 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 and over time and it's over the course of the next year, I mean, she was, she had some, she was married at the time and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really looking, uh, but uh, over time and we found out that we got, a, got along well together and actually started dating uh, and ended up getting married in 2014. So um, talk about the RE net. I mean, that's a lot of people that were at our wedding and involved with our wedding were as a result from that, you know, as the, are you not involved? <laughs> right. I mean, talking Ari Net for someone who doesn't know what it is, how how would you explain that in a couple sentences? I say it's the, the the group of people who came to be online during during the birth of the social web. Before 2005, you know, it, it wasn't really a rewrite web. It was very one way. It was uh, you consume, 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 and all of a sudden we had these tools that allowed us to kind of express ourselves and, and identify, you know, different interests and you know we can call them social objects so that you can connect with other people and you know we're connecting them with all these people online digitally and and then eventually you know you, you, you get to know them online and then you're going to you know i think bloggers connect in 2007 was one of the first times that a lot of the people that were involved with the social network kind of met together met up in the in real life for the first time and then taking and then the next year was the first bar camp so um you know, it's kind of a snapshot in time of, of you know, the the online real estate space there. Right. I think that's it. A snapshot in time. It really was. And it's it's just so cool to see those relationships have just become stronger and stronger over time. It's very cool. Let's go back to your career. At one point in your career, you become part of the uh, My East Bay agent team, right? And so talk about right. your role there and what, what you were trying to accomplish with that. So one thing that defines me is that I'm, I'm very, I'm, I have a very wide range of, of, of interest, you know. So at one point I, I started signing up to do BPOs uh, and um, someone told me that that's a way to get stuck in REO listings. And so I signed up with all these different companies. I was doing BPOs for a few for a few years, kind of here and there. And all of a sudden, like one company just started sending me listing contracts in the mail, in, the, in my email. And I was like, was this spam or is this real or whatever? Uh, so anyways, I went from uh, working with a bunch of buyers, having maybe one listing at a time, to this company that dumped uh, six listings on me in like two days. And uh, I, then I got another email from a, from a different company saying I was going to start getting REO listings from them. And I, was, I worked with a couple of people informally. And at the time, we were just like, you know, let's form a team and go at this. And so we kind of attacked that whole space there for for a few years and, and kind of created the My East Bay Agent team. And, you know, we did primarily REOs, worked, ended up working with a bunch of investors, and we, we did a couple of fix and flip rehabs together as well. So it was great because it allowed us to kind of focus on our strengths and, and you know, uh, and allowed me to indulge in, 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 you know, what Bar Camp was evolving into. And, and it, it was a great little snapshot in time there. You also, you know, let's, let's talk about your, um, your world your commercial real estate broker world, right? Because you, you kind of gravitated towards that. Um, that's way different than residential. <laughs> so talk about what, what drew you in there and, and uh, some of those main differences. 
Uh, way different than commercial, <laughs> way different than residential. Um, uh, what drew me in is like, uh, you know, we have, we have uh, some friends that were in the commercial um, and, you know, we had dabbled in commercial with my stage and uh, most of the multi-fam side. And, you know, I, I thought that, you know, I, I want to try everything. And at the point, I, at that point, I was looking for a change and we had a nice indie brokerage around here that, that was willing to take me on. And it was great. Uh, I, I enjoy it. Uh, it's just that the time, the timelines for the commercial real estate transactions were just something that didn't work with my ADD. I mean, <laughs> everything just seemed to take five times longer, or it was just really different than residential. I, and, I, and I figured out that you know, I, going along with self discovery, learning that you know, I need something that has a little bit more fast paced, and something that you know, I can get in and get out of pretty quick. Um, and it, it just wasn't the best fit for me, but it was. It was, it was a great experience. I mean, I did some, did some, some leases, sold a couple commercial buildings, kind of got my feet wet and, and learned um, quite a bit when I was in it. But, but I also didn't learn enough. I learned enough that it wasn't exactly the right fit for me. <laughs> right, right. right. So let's, let's talk about then your, your current operation. It's Golden State RE Investments. And so t- talk to us about what a, what a typical transaction looks like now for you. Right now, I'm focusing on just being direct to seller. I'm looking for for pain points, for or, or life events, or you know, some sort of reason that uh, someone will want to sell their house, and uh, I get in touch with them. But mainly phone. Um, that's been a big change for me. Directing contact with the seller, seeing what what I can do to help solve their problem, and uh, you know, sometimes that's uh, you know making them a offer to buy their house, and you know, and taking care of. All their problems you know a lot of times it's something that you know they can't just take on and you know they just want some cash and and a fair a fair offer but you know something that where i can come in and provide value um you know they're taken care of and while achieving their goals i also learned that i'm not great at rehabbing houses uh and I'm not the, the the driven like uh i'm not on the contracting floor all the time you know, Managing this, uh, we had that have it going on in my house right now. <laughs> Tough enough. Anyway, right. um, going back to my goal to be in and out as fast as possible. So I, I have, I have a great, I have a great list of rehab partners that I work with. Um, I, I either assign my, my interest to them or we'll do a double close. Um, but, uh, but I'm also coming across a lot of people that, you know, my offers just don't work as well. So then uh, teaming up with lo- other local real estate professionals to, you know, help feeding them uh listings so I, I, you know if, if someone ends up listing their house uh, you know i am a broker so i can get a referral fee so that, that's good and it helps them out and build their build their funnel and helps me out and you know with some uh reoccurring revenue in, in the meantime right and, and so the goal there is just you're you're just uh you have your ways of of kind of searching the market and right looking for opportunities i mean that's critical yep yep pretty much and yeah. then uh i mean and then finding you know accurate data and then really just being proactive and, and, you know, it's kind of something that I wish I would have done earlier, but being able to get on the phone and just talk to people and say, Hey, you know, I, I know it's a totally out of the blue, but you know, have you thought about selling your house? You know, it's something that I wouldn't have done 10 years ago. <laughs> Even maybe if I would have, my, my realtor career would have been different, but uh, you know, I really enjoy it. And the conversations that come out of it now. Let's talk about what's good, what's happening in real estate today then, because and especially in your role as a as a as an investor, there's some massive money coming into the industry, right? Two and a half billion dollars coming into, you know, Compass and Open Door and OfferPad. You know, the iBuyers plus Compass is kind of the way I look at it. 
So yeah, talk about that. What are your thoughts on that? Is it, um, is that a, is that something in your role as an investor you have to, you know, be concerned about? The old me would have been really concerned. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So so the the new me is I'm just really trying to keep it simple uh, and be, be very personal with my interactions and, 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 you know, I'm I'm super interested in what's happening. Uh, but I'm not as as consumed with it as I as I probably w- would have been five ten years ago. Uh, but also being aware of it, just so you can be nimble to you know. You know I I kind of got we got caught flat footed with you know with the REO thing. We, we at the time when when the inventories were rising so rapidly, you know we were basically we were some subcontractors for asset management companies and banks. And, and stuff like that, and you know they wanted us to scale up our operations. So we, you know, we hired and got ready for a wave that never came. And at the meantime, we, we never really changed our our model fast enough so that when when the flood of new listings didn't come, you know, we kind of kind of ended up being you know, bad for our business. So you know, my new model is kind of stay 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 as lean as possible and, and be very nimble and, and pay attention to market trends. And and you know, I think information is so much more pervasive than it used to be so that, you know, you can make informed decisions a lot easier. I mean, but we haven't even touched on podcasts. I mean, podcasts, the explosion of podcasts over the last, you know, just handful of years and, and the amount of information is out there is just staggering. I mean, it, it allows you to build a, a lean operation. Whereas before, you know, we knew a little bit, but, um, you know, we weren't nearly as nimble. Buyers are definitely a threat to, um, you know, the business model of a, of a, of a wholesaler or a fix and flipper as of today. It's, I haven't had, I haven't had a, a seller mention the I buyer to me, but yeah. you know, I'm sure that I'm sure that will come up. You know, I mean, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have heard a, a seller one list of property say, Oh yeah. Have you guys heard about Redfin? <laughs> but now you're seeing, you know, tons of Redfin signs out there because they, they, have, they have a value proposition that definitely fits with some people and that are looking to sell their house. Right. You know, I was talking to, uh, I talked to a lot of realtors in my role with Fidelity, right? And, and about, and a, a lot of people are asking questions about these things. And I did, I used my own property as an example in Phoenix. You know, I, I said, um, I, I went to OfferPad. They offered me three thirty-five. dollars um, A realtor friend of mine in Phoenix said probably worth three eighty dollars on the market if you wanted to list it. And so now I have this example of saying, okay, there's the difference, right? That cost, the, the, the cost of certainty and convenience with an iBuyer is pretty steep. But but I also say this, and I, I love your take on this. I said, do you think if if you were to show all the options to a customer and say, here's what an iBuyer buyer would charge, here's what I think you can get on the market, you know, in a normal period of time. But if if you really are in a hurry, why wouldn't they just refer them to someone like you? Because you would definitely beat the iBuyer buyer offer of three thirty five, I would guess. Or am I am I off in that statement? I think that's pretty accurate. When when I when I'm when I'm talking to someone that wants to sell a house and you know, and and you know, obviously for for me, it'd be the most advantageous if I, if I can make them an offer to buy their house and at a, at a at a price that you know makes sense to to my business. Uh, but normally, that means less money for them, right? Um, so you know, I, I offer speed and convenience, and then they, they offer to give me a little break on the price, and you know, it's kind of the meeting of the minds. And and the way I go at it is just like you know, how would I want to be treated if I was in their position? Uh, you know, if uh, and I, I am, and I, and I have lost out on a, a handful of deals recently because I said, you know, I mean, I can make you an offer. It's not 
you know, I, I, this is what I can offer. I can come in this range, but you know, honestly, like you're not in a super big hurry. I think the best way to go would be to list your property if you want to move ahead. And when I lose out deals like that, and she, she actually called me back, she's like, you know what? Everything is going to happen. And thank you, thank you, thank you. I lose out on business, but you know, it's, it's, I think, uh, going at it with a very, uh, go giver approach where, you know, I, I'm, I, I can help you solve your problem and, and, and eventually I'll come back. If I can provide value to the marketplace, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, you know, compensated in the long run. Ah, I love hearing that. That, um, some of, my, some of my toughest deals when I was running a branch in Phoenix for a Chicago title. That's some investors that didn't think that way, uh, Andy. <laughs> and, they, and they were <laughs> really hard to work with in escrow. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Andy, I, I've had you well over the half hour I asked you your time. So let me, let me give you the same question I've, I've asked every guest on the podcast. And, and that's what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started in the business? Don't try to rebuild the wheel. I mean, find what resonates best with you and, and replicate it. I mean, find a way that you can be useful and add value. And then you know, pick one marketing channel that will consistently generate leads for that and, and, and figure out how to do it really well. Um, and there's no excuse. I mean, we talked about podcasts and, and all, of, all the information is out there. Um, and so figure out how you can make one marketing channel work for you and just kill it in that marketing channel. And, uh, for me, it's cold calling. And if I would have told myself that cold calling was going to be bringing in a majority of my business and uh, 10 years ago, I, was, well, I thought I was crazy. <laughs> That's great. Andy, if somebody wants to reach out and chat with you, what's the best way or best channel for them to reach you? My email, Andy at andykaufman.net. Uh, I'll give you my direct cell phone, 415-269-1034. You can call or text anytime. Happy to talk with anybody about whatever. Andy, well, first of all, I'm going to say this because Ginger was a guest on my show quite a while ago. So say hi to, and thank you again to Ginger for me. And, uh, and thank you so much for your time. It's really fun talking to, to somebody who was you know, really, really, like you said, at the very beginning of the social web for, for real estate. Super cool. And, and thanks for your time. Thanks a lot, Bill.